Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Howdy, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode 138 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here as always to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get out in the trails, keep you stoked and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks so much for tuning in and thanks for being with us this week. Now to help you get over the corona thing, you may be stuck inside, you may not be able to get out on the bike. So this is maybe not the best episode to listen to because we're chatting today with somebody who travels the world, makes films, rides mountain bikes, surfs, makes amazing art and sketches washes and rivers, does all this kind of thing, and uh, has an amazing, amazing story. I've been chatting to Tito for quite a while. We finally made the podcast thing happen. We got him on. He was a busy man. He was away doing an American road trip, and uh, my schedule was quite busy at the same time, so we couldn't quite like, oh, but we got it sorted, and I'm so glad we got him on the podcast. His name is Tito Tomasi, and uh, he's just such a cool dude. He does what he loves. He follows his passions, and... um, Tito, you know, from an early age, knew that he wanted to follow his passions. And that included two wheels whenever possible. You know, he'd always loved travelling and exploring new places, off the beaten track, pushing and testing himself along the way. And, you know, Tito doesn't do the normal kind of -of run-of-the-mill holidays. He doesn't visit bike parks or he doesn't lie on a beach for a week. He doesn't do anything like that. He prefers to find remote locations where he thinks he may be able to ride his bike. He's not too sure, but he plans an A to B route and heads off, normally with no company. He does a lot of this by himself. He's no real phone, no connections at certain times, and he takes the bare minimum of reserves and relies on the small villages and towns he passes through on the way to Stoke Up, get fed, and uh, hopefully we'll see him until his next stop. So Tito is a cool, cool guy. He's really doing what he likes. And he's got brands helping him. He's reached out. He's got sponsorship. He's got ambassadorships going. We chat about that. We chat about how he got into mountain biking, what really encouraged him to do this kind of stuff he's doing and filming all his adventures. And we chat to him a little bit about his art as well because he's such a cool artist. His stuff's really cool. So join us as we chat to Tito about bikes working with different bike brands, his amazing adventures, making movies, and following life on two wheels. So, Tito, welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast. Hi, Tito. Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast. How's things, sir? Hi, Garrett. Nice to be here with you. Thanks you so much for welcome to welcome me. I'm pretty stoked to to have a chat uh, during that lockdown uh, situation <laughs> here. <laughs> Pretty crazy. Yeah, man. And, you know, I'm sure it's a change for you because if people don't know what you do, you basically, you've been traveling around America for the last 11 months, filming it and riding some awesome tra- trails. So it must be a bit of a change for you, uh, being you're locked in. Oh, you're where, where are you? France? Are you in France at the minute? Yeah, at the moment, I'm in France in the Pyrenees. I'm very close to the uh, Spanish border. And um, I'm in a very small village of, uh, um, yeah, like 40 people. Wow. <laughs> uh, at my, at my uh, sister place. Uh, we were like 
thinking of coming here and then we heard about the lockdown so we decided to come here and uh, and have um, this pretty tough period done here instead of staying in a city because um, so we were just back from that trip in the US so we were really in between so in between like the US but also getting back to Savoy in the Alps in France mm-hmm. so we had like a couple of months my my wife uh, uh got uh, the baby and uh, so we yeah we're really happy with all those events but the lockdown is kind of like a, a science fiction stuff in the middle of our schedule it's pretty funny mm. uh, but we're going along pretty well pretty happy to spend a lot of time with the kid it's 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 awesome yeah it's cool and I, I did notice in your social posts and stuff that you had got a son and you were still the, the image you had taken you were still in your camper van and i was like what that dude yeah. has had one year of time <laughs> yeah. So, yeah it's it's crazy we we heard about uh about marin that that's our son um we heard um, that charlotte my wife was pregnant on uh, july the the 4th on lake teo in california mm-hmm. <laughs> so since that we were doing like six months of uh, road tripping um, and she was pregnant all the time. So that was kind of crazy. Um, so be, of, of course, at the end, she could not do uh, a lot of writing. So we, we had to adapt. Mm-hmm. But uh, she was doing fine and never got sick. It was, it was pretty incredible. And uh, she could take the plane for France four days before she could not. Like, you know, like yeah, uh, yeah, wow. medics... Um, cannot let you fly after a certain period of time. I think it's around six months and something. So she was quite close from that. <laughs> so that was quite quite funny. <laughs> yeah, wow, wow, wow. So what's the, what's the parentese like there? Or is the village in lockdown or you're not allowed out? What's the scenario there? Oh, the lockdown here, it's um, it's crazy, man. It's, um, it's fun because in the village you see people going back and forth and they live their life. You know, they go to their field, they take care of the field of the cattle, uh, they cut woods in the, in the forest, they make uh, their own little business. But sometimes you see a helicopter going around to see if some people are hiking or whatever. And um, there, of course, there's nobody on the road. So it's mm-hmm. funny. It's like uh, the smallest village at the end of the world but we are kind of outside of this uh, crazy viral uh, situation, you know. Sorry, you can't ride your bike there then, Tito, no? No, I'm not allowed to ride my bike okay. um, at all. Like, So I go on a hike. I, Yeah, I, I painted my bike uh, two weeks ago, so it took me some time. And now I'm working on the new uh, van that we are doing. So it's a um, it's transformation, it's a conversion van. Um, so I'm quite quite busy with all the edits and the painting and everything. No, it's mm-hmm. pretty chill. And the mountains are beautiful, so it's a stunning place. Yeah, good, man, good. Yeah, so it was crazy. You you became a father, and then you were more or less back on the road two weeks afterwards. Um, yeah, this this little this little one uh, uh, came in a very weird situation, you know. So Charlotte gave birth, and then the next day, the virus was so big in France that they had to shut down the 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 hospital for visitors. So, um, so it was already into the situation, and mm-hmm. uh, and right after that, when they locked down the the entire country, we already took the van and and cross 
the south of the country just to reach uh, this village and be be safe there. So um, yeah, it, it, in two weeks he already saw a lot, <laughs> and now <laughs> we can say he spent more time in his life locked down than free. So it's pretty. We imagine that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. You know, it is such a strange situation because, like I was saying, we were walking home yesterday, Katrina, myself, and I was saying to her, you know, if somebody would have said to you a month ago that you would see people walking <laughs> about with these surgical masks on and people yeah. would be locked down because of a global virus, you would think, oh, what movie have you been watching? But, man, it's happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had this discussion with my mother and I was like, have you ever seen a zombie movie? And she was like, no. <laughs> because she saw me preparing all the stuff for the lockdown. Like one week before the lockdown, I was already ready. And she was like, but it's not going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. I'm like, it's exactly like in the zombie movie. Everybody say it's not going to happen. It's not a zombie. And it's a zombie. So <laughs> you better be that that last person that always, you know, like, take this thing seriously. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no, that's pretty. But uh, you know, it's it's easy actually. If you if you look at what happened in China uh, two and a half months ago, you you can understand uh, what was going to happen to us. Uh, so you know, it's just a it's just a different decision to take. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, better better be um, up, um, how to say that, but uh, conscious of all the events and be prepared. I yeah. think uh, this event is is very dramatic. I mean, we have lost uh, one uncle in our family through weeks oh, wow. from the virus. So for us, it's it's uh, definitely something real. But it's also a way to remember how uh, freedom is important for us and how is it um, it's precious. You know, um, you know, yeah. we all see like a lot of um, that a lot of places see nature growing back and coming back uh, in those uh, those place and it's beautiful to see that so i hope uh, it brings a little bit of uh, consciousness to the people and maybe we can change our way to consume and see the world maybe mm-hmm. i don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, be an well opportunity, right? <laughs> yeah well said i agree i totally agree um you know and it's one of those things a lot of people are complaining about not getting out and riding their bikes and stuff but you know the mountains will always be there and yeah. You know, and it's maybe a wake-up call that we maybe need it, to be honest. Yeah, um, it's it's nice to see her uh, breathing, and uh, the nature coming back. And you know, here in the Pyrenees, we have a very very small population of birds, but with the the lockdown, because there's nobody in the mountains, we can. Some people have seen the birds in the snow coming out of the, their uh, little houses and, and I don't know the name in English, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and their nest and then walking in the snow. And so that's, I mean, that's amazing. That's beautiful to see. Um, I hope we will see more of that. <laughs> yeah, it's cool, man. It's cool. All right, well, let's get into uh, your stuff because I want to chat to you about your YouTube channel, obviously, which is really cool, your travels and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But Sweet. Tell us, tell us a wee bit about your background, because anybody that's seen your your YouTube ta- channel and seen you riding and stuff, you're a very good rider on the bike for sure. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're doing some good stuff. Um, so, how did you get into the mountain biking thing? How how did you get attracted to that? Yeah, I mean, um, I I ride my bike a lot. Um, that's for sure because that's that's my passion. I love that. I don't do it for the training or. I don't do it for the sponsor or for racing. I just do it because I need it. 
and I love it. Uh, but basically, my my background. Um, so I started when I was twelve with my dad. Uh, I, I used to do a little bit of BMX before that, like a lot of kids. And then I really mm-hmm. wanted to go in the mountains. Um, so my dad took me to the the local association and I started to ride with those guys and those those guys were like 50s you know like Mm in their 50s in their 40s and I don't know how to explain it It was pretty funny because those guys were like pretty old in some way because I was only 12 so for Mm -hmm. me they were like very wise and it was not like going to school it was like it was another another school because they were teaching me the the price of of freedom, the price the price of your passion in life, and how important it is to to do what you you are, what you what you want, you know, and be what you are. Um, so they were like, okay, go to school if you because you have to uh, follow your studies and everything, but please stay focused on what you love and 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 do it you know it's hard to explain but they were like almost uh, regretting some of their choices mm-hmm. they all choose a a, a bit uh, like a, a job that i did they did not really like and they're like nah, i wish i had more time to choose my job and maybe do something that i love more and uh, and all those lessons came into my mind and i was like oh i love mountain biking and uh, you know it's i want to keep going in that direction so after after those years of like young age, I started to do um, some cross-country racing. I wasn't very good. And then uh, Enduro came in France uh, pretty early in um, early, maybe around uh, 2002, 2004. We had mm-hmm. some serious, serious races here. But again, I was not very, very good. I mean, I did some pretty good and decent results, but uh, I could never pull like a, a proper season, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I could never get the the sponsorship that I wanted. So I, I did some studies into in art school. So I was uh, studying painting and drawing for three years actually and then uh, i came back into biking a little bit i got my diploma so today i'm i'm an official guide and um so it's a you know it's um it's one year um studying mountain biking and guiding and everything in france Mm -hmm. it's quite serious actually here yeah yeah i've heard that it's a lot more it's a lot more difficult to get that kind of thing in france than as here in the uk or wherever yeah it's pretty pretty weird but um, then I was traveling a lot, and then in um, 2010 I got back into mountain biking with I don't know how to say that with with all the conscious of of what's uh, what's important for me in life, and and then I started to to ride my bike uh, in the mountains and explore a lot and do a lot of uh, little backpacking trip, and I got sponsor for that quite fast. Because mm. of the drawings, actually, because I was going into some some trips with my my diary, and I was doing my painting and my drawing, and then um, get some attention from the magazine and from the magazine to the the sponsor. Uh, so since that, uh, I still live in the mountains and still ride my bike a lot. And then I had so many, I don't know, but uh, I had so many ideas and so many places that I wanted to visit with my bike. Uh, so I started to plan those huge trips. You know, my first small trip was the tour on the Mont Blanc in three days, but it's already like eleven thousand meter of elevation. So yeah, wow. it's a, quite a quite a solid one. And then after that, I got some money from the report and I bought a ticket to Peru. 
So I took my bike and went three months in Peru with uh, a little bit of money, <laughs> but hmm. uh, no GoPro, no camera. I was riding like some crazy trail in uh, in the Waiwash card um, range and also the White Range and all those places for months. And then I came back with those um, those texts and all the the, pa- the painting from that. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think this this adventure kind of uh, opened my mind about what I can do on a bike because you know before that trip I was afraid of going you know without mm-hmm. any security any planning nothing I was just going into the mountain with my bag my big bag and my bike and see what's going on you know I was doing like maybe 60k or 80k in one day and sleeping in a village where I can find it and then find another village for the next day and and keep going like this for days crossing the range and that was kind of a, a baptism for me you know what I mean mm-hmm. like I had mm-hmm. all those fear about what's going to happen to me I'm afraid of being alone not having food not having a roof for tonight and then I just like quit those fear and started to 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 trip you know and and the journey was a, a mental journey and a bike journey and I came back with that uh, confidence in my mind that I could cross mountains on a mountain bike with the simplest way, maybe the maybe a, a different lifestyle, a different style that allowed me to be close to the people and close to the mountains. Mm-hmm. And then from that, I was starting to write uh, reports and start to inspire people to, to not be afraid and take the bike and just go have fun, discover the mountain, open their eyes and enjoy enjoy life you know the way they want actually not be afraid of all those uh, crazy videos you see that everything looks super complicated but it's not <laughs> yeah yeah it's actually pretty easy <laughs> yeah and like you're doing all this yourself uh do you enjoy being out in the mountains and just out in nature yourself like that yeah um it's it's funny because i i'm convinced that i'm not a solitary because what i like to do is being alone on my bike but met people along the way mm-hmm. and that's that's the reason why i never go to place like mongolia or you know place where nobody i like to go to places with a lot of villages a lot of people so i can learn about their lifestyle about their culture i like to draw people and and have fun with them you know teach kids how to ride bikes and uh, maybe uh, eventually come back with uh, you know more memories i think it's nice to travel for a bi- for a bike trail. It's nice to travel to see the mountains, but for me, a very important part is the meetings. You know, traveling with a bike allow you to meet people with a different approach, and in many cases, the the people they're very curious about me and my bike, and they be inviting me and be like, "All oh, right, well, what's that?" And oh, we've never seen a bike like that before. And <laughs> so yeah, it happens to me so many times. It's I, I love it. It's it's quite quite crazy, you know. Uh, so yeah. for me, it's like a, it's a mix of sport, uh, but it's also it's a most of it is a lifestyle. It's the way I like to to live my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like you've been to some awesome places. Just looking at your videos and stuff, there you've been Nepal, Mexico, obviously North America, Morocco. You've been to some awesome spots. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've been pretty lucky. Um, I don't even know how I choose that. Is maybe just looking at some picture of uh, of the mountains. You know, um, when I went to uh, Georgia, 
it was one of the most exciting destination for me because I've never heard about Georgia before. And one day, two years before, somebody told me like, oh, you should go to Georgia. They have like big valleys with those castle and towers in the mountain and the people are totally crazy there. They're really mountain people. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. So then two years later, I have some times in the summer. So I decided to to plan a trip across the Caucasus mountain. And that's it. I went there and actually the trail, the trails were pretty cool to ride. It was like a beautiful, um, how to say that, landscape for mountain biking. Not too mm. hard, not too dangerous, but still very challenging with some very high passes. Um, and a few years after that, uh, my friend Joey Schuschler uh, asked me like uh, about the, the trip and asked me about the itinerary. And I was really happy to give him all the info and he could do the trip so i was glad to see the video and uh, you know you know inspiring normal people is is a lot of fun but when a professional adventure guy comes and asks it's pretty fun to to see the result and and give them some some stoke you know yeah yeah for sure man that is cool that's so cool um yeah because i wanted to ask you how you plan your trips um and if you think about mountain biking you know is it planned around the bike or because you surf as well um yeah no it's it's impossible to mix uh biking and surfing if you're not uh on a road trip with your your with a vehicle <laughs> and everything you know so so it's i i quite i separate things but um I, I think i love i love surfing a lot i think i love surfing more than biking sometimes <laughs> Just mm-hmm. crazy, but um, surfing is quite destructive for me because when I start to be very into it, I, I sometimes I don't want to quit. I would just want to uh, stay on the beach and just do some, do more surfing. But it's uh, <laughs> so I kind of I'm kind of afraid of that <laughs> um, that passion. But when I plan a, tr- a trip for my mountain bike, it's um, it's mostly because I want to cross the mountains. Uh, it's what excites me the most. It's it's to think that I can go from a point A to a point B, cross the mountains, and then find a way to come back. Um, so that's what I did in in many countries, and and every time. So I plan the start, and I know a little bit about the in between. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I just manage to to make it. Um, the, the most important thing to, to me when I plan the trip is to know there are like villages at least every day or every three days so I can at least link those villages with my bike and, and refill my, my stock of, of food and water and everything. Um, mm-hmm. But in places like Peru or Nepal, you can definitely stay very high in the mountains, cross the mountains on dirt roads and trails. And sleep in villages every night, so you don't even need to camp or carry your own food, you know. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and that's the best because you're very close to the people and you have fun on a on the light bike. Because I like um, very technical and very rough trails. Um, I don't like to travel on a bike with all the luggage, and that doesn't excite me. I like to jump and have fun on the bike. So, like a lot of people, and um, so. I always try to find like those perfect uh, place with a lot of villages, and I don't know. It makes the ad- adventure more rich too. Mm. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because you're becoming part of the community. You're kind of experiencing that, I suppose, as well, which is so important in that kind of trip. 
Yeah. Uh, now, and so you don't plan a trip as all the trails that are there. So you're not riding trails that, say, you would do in a guided trip or anything like that. You're just going out and exploring, right? Yeah, most of the time um, I have now no real information about mountain biking in those trails. But, uh, you know, you can find information about um, trekkings. So all the people that have been trekking those trails, they, 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 they let some pictures of the camp, of the passes. And then you can read in between the lines and, and see if it's possible to ride bikes there. And so, yeah, for some trips, like uh, in Kyrgyzstan or when I went to Indonesia and stuff, it was a lot of uh, planning on, on the internet, looking at all the pictures and trying to see on Google Maps and Google Earth uh, the type of terrain and and the possibilities that I will find on the bicycle there. Mm-hmm. Um, there is one thing that also comes into the planning is the preparation because um, to be honest i ride a lot my bike and i do a lot of elevation every year and and i feel like um, the more i ride the more i'm prepared so the more i will be ready for any situation in the mountains so that's why i can go to those place with with some confidence and i be I'd be ready for any situation. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. it's it's way longer than you expected. But if you're fit, if you're ready, if your mental is strong, you will make that day. And and that's why over I don't know maybe fifty, um, maybe forty trips, bike picking trips and stuff. I've never rode in the dark, you know, because mm-hmm. I always reach my point. Mm-hmm. And the only mm-hmm. time that I had to ride ride in the dark was on an exploration trip with some friends because I had to wait for them <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, they're, they're like very good mountain biker, but they're, they're not used to cross the river, uh, run with their bike on the shoulder in the, in the mountains, in the river, jumping over logs and stuff. Uh, we were not expecting that kind of terrain. So we found a very difficult terrain in Canada and um, it took us a long time. And normally I would just keep running but uh, after like eight or nine hours, they started to be very, very tired. And um, so it took us a long time. But uh, hopefully everybody finished the trip pretty safe and nothing very bad happened. So mm-hmm. so that's cool. But um, yeah. yeah, better be better be prepared. But to give you a, an idea of my preparation, um, the years that I've done my biggest trips so across the Alps, across the Pyrenees, um, I did around... Um, uh, 250 280,000 meter of climbing a year uh, wow. only on a mountain bike. Um, to that, you can add all the road bike that I do and uh, skiing and everything, so that's more than 350,000. <laughs> so that's, that's crazy, that's, man, eh? yeah, that's a lot of time on the saddle, and um, but adults also include the trips, you know, so uh-huh. yeah, trips are a lot too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You did. Um, I watched one of your videos, the, the Quest Episode 7. It was called Highline. Oh, yeah, that's one. <laughs> that looked brutal, man. Oh, yeah, that was really, really tough. Um, but very exciting, too. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a funny story. It took me t- two or three years, I don't remember, to plan that, uh, that itinerary because I wanted to find an itinerary that, that 
cross all the highest passes and highest summits in the Alps, but rideable. You know, you can mm-hmm. always go higher, but ne- then you need a uh, uh, access and everything. <laughs> yeah, wow. But, but on the mountain bike, it was hard to find those high passes and link them, you know, into a logical itinerary and a fun descent and everything. So it was like uh, five days, uh, no tent, camping only with my mattress and some clothes, and um, and riding those crazy trails. But that was a, a good one. I I took the train to go and I came back hitchhiking with my bike. <laughs> <laughs> So that was a very funny, a very very funny uh, trip and the story. Yeah, Definitely. that's crazy. You yeah. found that there's there's footage of you. You filmed that when there's footage of you. You found like an old shelter or something, and you slept in it one night. Yeah. And <laughs> it, it was freezing though, eh? No, no, it was it wasn't that cold. It was okay. okay. I had like an emergency blanket for the night <laughs> and uh, I found some fruits and I remember finding um, some pretty pretty good food at the Italian grocery store because this uh, this particular scene that you saw was uh, taking place in Cogne in the um, Val d'Aost and um, it's a it's a mecca for big mountain riding. Uh, it's a beautiful place. It's very high and beautiful. And um, I don't know if you know, but the Italian national parks, they allow mountain biking. And uh, you don't see many mountain bikers in the national parks and everything goes well with the hikers. It's pretty nice to see that because in many countries, they, they ban that. They ban mountain biking from mm-hmm. the parks. And, um, and you see, like you, can, you could think like, oh, that's good that we're, you know, mountain bikings are, are banned. Because it would be complicated to have everybody there, but uh, when you see the model in Italy, uh, things works great, and uh, I like the Italian way of uh, mountaineering. They're they're really they're pretty chill with the the mountain. And I don't know if you saw in the video, I there is like this shelter into the cliff, and um, I'm trying to explain the story, but actually it was my last chance to sleep, and I was riding to that. Refugio, I hacked my bike to the refugio and it was closed. Mm. And I was like, oh, shoot, should I cross the pass like very late and make it to the next village or should I come back? And the pass was looking very, very tough. It was like 900 meters of climbing on the Via Ferrata with a lot of cables and ropes. And so I decided to, to do it the next day and I came back. Um, backwards and that's when I met those uh, students and they were going to the refugio and they had the key <laughs> so I <laughs> go with them and they opened me like a room into the refugio I slept, I slept there and I had dinner with them and Italian people and that was fun learning Italian <laughs> yeah, beautiful. yeah beautiful moments yeah man you never forget stuff like that um, when you're yeah. doing stuff like this yourself and you're in these environments do you think of your safety? Have you got a phone with you? Can you contact somebody if you get in trouble? How do you think about stuff like that? Yeah, um, it's, um, I don't know. It's something, for me, it's something very very personal. Um, of course, there are things that can happen to me that I cannot plan. and But I, most of the time, I ride with uh, with a margin of error. So I, I really take care of what I do. and But I have no safety um process with me i mean if something happened i will have to get myself out of this um and things happen i know you know i had some crash i had some some problems i got lost uh, many times but 
you know, there's no real things that you you cannot solve by yourself. Like only like the very very serious um, injuries and stuff. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think in my mind, the more I go with with uh, safety uh, equipment, device or whatever, the the less I will be careful. So. So I think I better be, I like to be conscious of what I'm doing and know that I am the only one that can, that can maintain that safety. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, because if you think like, okay, if something happened, they will come and save me. It, it might not work. You know, Th- those phones that might not work, people m- might take like one day to come to you and you'll be dead. So better not fall at all, you know. So I try to stay very careful and ride with, with you know, conscious of what's going on in, in places. And sometimes I have to refuse some some stuff, but it's it's pretty rare actually. But um, I have to to stay focused on what I'm doing. And, and that's the price of riding alone too. But on another hand, I I don't need to take the responsibility of people, because when I'm guiding people, I, I'm responsible for them. I have a safety phone and I have some talkie walkies. I can talk to my crew, but um, it's different. You know, I know the trail. I know where we're going. I know the guys, and uh, if something happened, I know exactly where to go and where to find. The, the the rescues but uh by myself it's totally different so i don't mm-hmm. take um more i don't take much risks yes yes understandable mm. yeah very cool uh like you were riding i noticed one of your videos there one of the latest ones you were in italy um mm-hmm. and some of those trails look dangerous man <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, maybe it's the GoPro. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. It just Sometimes. looks very, very yeah. loose, very dry. Sheer yeah. drops off one side, high cliffs off the other. Mm. Uh, yeah, man, that that they look sketchy. But you're bombing on. Um, yeah, so I think uh, technical riding is uh, my specialty uh, because I spend so much time high in the Alps, uh, riding those sketchy trails, and and I love it. So, um, yeah, I think uh, you, you get used to everything, you know, like uh, a downhiller get used to the speed. I get used to the rocks and the exposure. So mm-hmm. exposure does not really bother me. I can, you know, I like when cables are around and everything. I found it's fun. Uh, I like to hike my bike in ladders because I know it's exciting. You know, it's going to be mm-hmm. fun at the downhills. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I like the challenge too, you know, so... Um, so yeah, it's it's I don't know. I grew up like that. Uh, grew up like hiking on those uh, those trails, and I kept in mind that you have to go slow, you have to be aware and 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 careful, you know. And things gonna be okay. You can always stop and put your hand and you know rest. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like, do you ever meet in these extreme kind of adventures? You do. Do you ever meet? other bikers up there or um you know and you just kind of look at each other going oh i wasn't expecting to see you here kind of thing you know what I mean? <laughs> um it it happened a few times uh of course and uh, in nepal i, I met some uh, very interesting uh feller they were like traveling on a bike with their uh, a little trailer and they were like doing some free ride lines uh, <laughs> that was fun uh, i like to see the people having different perspective on a on a bike trip you know 
-hmm. Some people they really think it's it's something that you have to plan, and uh, so they have all the gear, they have those luggage and everything. And sometimes you see those freestyle people that they don't care and they they go wild, and it's it's fun to see that mountain biking gives you all those um, all the possibilities to express yourself. And uh, because you know it's a field of possibilities when you're up there and you out there, you you choose what you want to do, and that's your vision of life basically. So I like to 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 do all those uh, bivouac nights you know like the sketchy bivies sleeping with nothing and finding a place to sleep and sleeping at people's place even here in france and um, i like to do that but some people they like to have their tent and pitch the tent in the most beautiful and epic place you know i don't know it's fun to see all the different um, perspective mm -hmm. um but the meetings are always uh, always fun um but the more the most uh the most fun meetings are with hikers actually to be honest <laughs> wow because they are they're so surprised to see a mountain biker in those places you know when i when i crossed the alps the very first time in 2012 i remember i was stuck into that refugia with maybe like 50 people they're all hikers they're all doing the cross the the crossing crossing the alps adventure so they're like very um very tough hikers and I show up with my bike <laughs> and my, my face and my hair. And, and they're all like, what the hell is that? You know, and they're like, yeah, what are you doing with your bike? Are you just coming here for, for a beer? And then tomorrow you go down? I'm like, no, man, I'm, I'm just crossing the Alps, you know? And the guy looked at me like, huh, what? You're crossing the Alps? But just today, right? I'm like, no, no, no. I'm starting from the Lemons Lake and I'm going all the way to the, to the sea. It's, it's 60, 650 kilometers. And he's like, all right, all right. And how long are you going to take you? It's going to be like two months or something. Uh, and I'm like, well, I don't know, maybe it's going to be 12 or 14. And he's like, what? And I'm like, okay, so when did you start it? And he's like, oh, I started like five days ago. And I said, okay, I started yesterday in the morning. <laughs> he was like, okay. <laughs> and actually, it took me eight days to cross. <laughs> wow. It's 28 by, by foot. So, <laughs> um, but I, I like this uh, the contrast, you, you know, when you, ha you met a, a hiker, because we both share the passion for mountain and for the effort and for the landscape and the culture. But we use a different tool. They, they walk and they, they take more time for contemplating, where we. We make a, with this tool, the mountain bike, we make a mix of traveling lifestyle, but also the fun of riding bikes and the challenge of climbing those crazy and stupid mountains, you know? Mm. <laughs> so it's it's always fun to to share the vision with them. I like it. Yeah, really like yeah. It. Like, what does the mountain bike mean to you, Tito? You know, what part does it play in your life? Well, it's, it's, it's a big part of my life. Um, you know, recently I had some uh, some changes with my sponsor and everything. So you know, every time you have a big change, you you have to think about it. And um, I I definitely decided that I will never quit mountain biking. I, I think it's uh, it's too big for me in my life. It's definitely the way I, I love to to practice the mountain. But maybe I will not be an ambassador and a professional mountain biker. Uh, for my entire life, you know, and mm -hmm. it can change. And I think I make peace. I made peace with that idea that one day will stop and one day will be different, you know. But mm -hmm. for now, I'm I'm really 
stoked to work with some brands and uh, share some some project and uh, and also have the chance to ride my bike professionally so I have so much time for me to to be on the saddle and uh, and explore all those new challenges um, but I see I also there's a lot of things that I want to do in the future that I'm maybe not directly related to this vision of mountain biking because there's some places that I want to to cross on the bike that are not easy on the mountain bike maybe are better on a gravel gravel bike you know mm-hmm. so but okay. it's still it's still biking and it's still traveling and still challenges I think I like challenge I like to challenge myself and so yeah maybe doing some a few racing races a year and other trips and the guided trips are really cool I, I like to bring people to the mountains um i i started to do that a few years ago maybe five years ago and i i really like it um to take people and give them like all the advice i don't know it's a job but it's also i don't know a way to share a vision and uh, and and give them like some some knowledge mm-hmm. so, um, I, I plan to do more of that actually um for the for the future yeah yeah well talking about sponsors and stuff there i see you're working quite closely with urge helmets at the minute would that be right yeah totally uh, yeah urge is, is the very first sponsor that gave me i mean the first sponsor in the last 10 years that gave me this opportunity to do that um because when I was younger, I had some sponsor from the local uh, shops, and I used to have um, a deal with Commensal years ago, and many, many years ago. It was almost like a, another life. Um, Herge are like a family to me. I, I really like those people and the vision they have on uh, recycled material to build yeah. helmets, uh, trying to do good, try to stay simple, not you know, not you know, spend tons of money on stuff. Because the more they spend on marketing and everything, then it's related to the price of the the helmets in itself. So I think the helmets are really cheap for the technology, very accessible, and in the same time they're recyclable. So and made of recycled uh, materials. Mm-hmm. Um, the design is pretty fun too, and I hope I can be involved in in the design. Um, I also work with Julbo. It's another French brand. They make um, glasses. They're really high quality glasses. Pretty cool to work with them. It's a simple um, family-owned business in the Jura. It's another range uh, north of the Alps. Uh, very cool product. Very cool team. Um, work with uh, Hutchinson, which is a French um, manufacturer for for tires. They they make the entire the tires in France, which mm. is pretty cool um and um a few other ones are so i have a, a deal with uh, with fox uh from a long time ago now and um so has their they own marzuki now um, i represent mm-hmm. marzuki i'm pretty stoked to be part of the the image of marzuki today i think it's uh again it's uh marzuki it's a pretty interesting vision of mountain biking because they present they propose top end quality forks but cheaper than Fox, and which is awesome for the people, I, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Z, the Z1 uh, coil is the best fork I've never had, and it's mm-hmm. only $700, you know. I mean, it's a lot of money still, but that's the best fork 
that I know on the market. It's a great, great product. Mm-hmm. So I know I'm pretty happy with the the brand that I represent today. Um, just um, pretty bummed that I lose my my deal with uh, Rossignol uh, last year. Uh, they changed their mind and we had a discussion, so things end up. And um, it was too late to get a frame sponsor, so I have no frame sponsor at the moment. And I was hoping to have some discussion in spring and summer, but with the, the situation today, um, I'm not sure I will get uh, anything new for the moment, you know, it's going to mm-hmm. be, <laughs> I think um, the economic crisis will be pretty strong after the COVID-19 crisis. Um, so I don't know how, well, how it's going to end up with, for me as an ambassador, but for the moment, I'm quite, quite happy with that and happy with the project that I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Urge are lovely. We sell Urge in the store. Um, yeah. And yeah, the first thing that, that drew me to them and got me more interested in the brand was the recycle thing, because yeah. it's very important, I think, you know. Um, and yeah, they, they do a lovely brand. Very, very nice. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, I think it's very, it's it's nice to see like um, the, the, the different vision and uh, all the, mm. the the efforts they can do i mean it's not going to save the world for sure but it's nice to see that the industry can be a little bit green greener you know if yes. if every brand tries to to do a little bit better it's it's going to be a better situation for everybody then um yeah and then that they're pretty dynamic they're pretty simple on on their approach of mountain biking and biking in general uh, mm. we were actually supposed to launch the new uh, all air elements on the on april the second but um with the crisis it's all postponed so i have mm-hmm. this new and prototype helmet for a few months now that i cannot i cannot really show i think they told me i can show it now but i cannot ride my bike so <laughs> it's kind <laughs> of like uh, frustrating it's like i have this helmet but it's in my garage so <laughs> uh-huh. much. but yeah they come up with uh like today 100 percent of their helmets are made with recycled recycled material and they don't sell any plastic bags anymore and they're trying to do like only um compostable um how to say like packaging, you know? Yes, yes. So that's uh-huh. those little little things that makes uh, makes the the industry better. And uh, I see other brands doing a lot of things like that. I think Dakine is doing a lot of uh, recycled uh, clothing with their. Mm-hmm. That's with, right, recycled polyester and yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all the um, Pat- Patagonia is getting into mountain biking with a pretty nice range. It's all fair trade. Wow. It's all recycled. Uh, I tried some. Uh, they're really good, um, and uh, yeah, the the products are good. The vision mm-hmm. is good. The price is pretty nice. So I hope to see more of that for sure. Like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Like that would be nice for Patagonia to get into it because of their eco wetsuits and everything they do. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would be nice to see that because when you get somebody like that coming into an industry that maybe doesn't look at things that way, they can change things quite dramatically. Yeah, I mean, Patagonia is such a big actor of the outdoor community. Mm, exactly. I mean, they do a lot uh, on the gear side, but also on the community side. So mm. it can definitely inspire other brands and give them the confidence that the business can work on a recycled uh, project, you know, because that's the thing, you know, we, we talked about it with Urge to go greener. 
and maybe bring the, the, the factories in Europe so we will have less uh, footprints when we, we bring the, um, the helmets from, from Asia. But mm-hmm. it's, it's really hard. Like, um, it's going to cost like, a lot of money to invest in factories in Europe and also bring back all the knowledge and the, um, the, capa- the capacity to, to mm-hmm. produce because it does not exist anymore in Europe. I mean, today you want to build a, a helmet in Europe, you can't. There is not even a mold. There is no, no, no crazy fact, man. No tool. So it will happen one day. I mean, they have to. They need to do that transition. But we will have to know if the people are ready to pay the difference of something green and have a greener word or stay in that model today and see mm-hmm. where it's going. But we all know where it's going. We see with that crisis that it was not a good idea to put everything in and make the world smaller because when a, a problem happens, it's, it's a bigger problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think it's, uh, yeah, we'll see the future. But definitely big, big companies like like Patagonia can bring uh, another perspective on mountain biking, you know, especially mm-hmm. their, the products are pretty good. They have this uh, program called uh, One or something, and mm-hmm. um, it's a guarantee that they will fix your clothes if they break for free. So mm-hmm. so it's pretty, ca- it's pretty cool. You buy uh, this bike, bike uh, shorts and um, you, you have a problem and you have a whole you go to see those um, moving workshop and they fix it to you for you. you yeah, know? it's crazy, man. Yeah, I've read I've read a couple of their books uh, from the founder, yeah. and you know he really doesn't operate that company the way you would think a commercial company would work. You know, he says if you have you know if you have an issue with your garment, instead of throwing it away and buying a new one, get oh, it yeah. repaired, and yeah. then. If you don't like it anymore, give it to a friend. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't just throw yeah. it away. And then once your friend's done with it, use it as a rag or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's funny because it's like uh, going against their own uh, company because they would mm. say, you buy only one in 20 years, you will only buy one powder, one jacket. And if you break it, you will fix it. But you would think that, that uh, philosophy will never bring money, but <laughs> it's a good they, way to go out of business. they're really big. <laughs> so it works. It actually works because they do really good stuff. You know, it's good, good stuff. I'm, I'm hoping that I can get a, a new wetsuit soon, and it, it probably gonna be a, a Patagonia because I want to try the Ulex uh, neoprene. Yeah, um, and um, yeah, clothing. I tried some, but I ride for race face. Uh, I know Raceface does a lot of good stuff. I hope they they will do more uh, green stuff too one day. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I always always trying to inspire my my sponsor to do stuff like that. But I'm a small ambassador. They're not. <laughs> I'm not really Bruni or or, mm-hmm. or Aaron Green. So I cannot really put any pressure on them. <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's maybe something you can do in the future. You can get into that side of things a little bit more further down the line, which would be lovely. Yeah. Yeah, I have some. Uh, sometimes I have some people asking me uh, to participate to that project, and I'm still not engaged in anything. I have my own uh, small brand uh, of of products, so everything is made of um, eco-friendly cotton, uh, made in Europe, and it's all um, manufactured in France at the end. So it's uh, it's just a few uh, casual uh, clothes that I do for for my community, like people are like my drawings and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm, 
there's uh, some there's some stuff in the pipes, and one brand is wants to collaborate with me to do uh, eco-friendly merino uh, closing biking closing line. But I'm I'm not sure I will. I'm not sure how it's going to end, but I I would love to to do more of that for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of a brand called Pitcher? Uh no. No. Check no. check those guys out. They're French. I'm nearly sure they're French. Three guys started it. They do a lot of ski stuff. Uh, oh, Pitcher. Of... Yeah, yeah. Pitcher. Yeah. 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 I've I've been in contact last year with them because they're like uh, doing a. F- um, so they were like asking people to to propose a project, and uh, the the project that win gets some money to to make it, just like Patagonia did at the same time actually. Uh, so I proposed my project of uh, coloring books in Mexico and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't I did not get it, but um, but I had some contact with picture and. Um, so yeah, they're it's really interesting, but they're not really interested in mountain biking for the no, moment. So, no, no. Uh, we do surfboard surfing and snowboarding. I mean, skiing and outdoor. Yeah. And yeah. everything they do is recycled, and it's their, it's their blood. You know, it's in their DNA. And actually, they're from exactly from where I live right now. Wow! 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 Yeah. So I hope next. I mean, this summer I will be there, and I hope to spend some time there, and maybe try to do something with them maybe bring some uh, technical uh, close to mountain biking and see if they can be interested in doing that you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's definitely yeah. a, a market for for something greener but i don't know how is it in your shop in malta or in ireland but here in france it's really tough to sell a jersey that will be more than 25 euros um because yeah. people like to ride like expensive bike, ride their bike a lot, but they don't care about the look and the the, the gear that they're, they're using. So, you know. Yeah, I, like- I think if I had to do it, if I had to start a brand and go down that route, the way I would do it is I would make the riding clothes more casual in that yeah. they still have the technical elements of the wicking and everything like that. Yeah. But you could you could wear them down to your local shop to get yeah, gro- yeah. to get groceries. You know. Yeah. I think that's the way it has to go. And obviously all environmental in my opinion. Like there's so much polyester out there. Yeah. We never have to produce another polyester product. You know, oh, yeah, that true, can't right? be used from recycled stuff. So it needs to go that way. Somebody yeah, needs yeah. to take the lead and do that, you know? Yeah. Actually, um, what you describe really look like Patagonia Vision because the Patagonia mountain bike closing line is 100% casual. and um, But it's uh, it's also fair trade and recycled. And, and it's a good... I mean, I tried the fabrics riding... And it's it works. It's it dries pretty fast. It's uh, very comfortable. It's not itchy. It's it's uh, it goes pretty well in the time too. So very good quality. It's not mm-hmm. that expensive. I think a jersey today uh, on full price must be around the fifty, uh, thirty-five or forty bucks uh, for a jersey. It's quite stylish too. Very s- sober, nice color. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if I had to do it in France, I think I would choose a very base, basic uh, technical fabric, but that be made of um, recycled stuff, mm-hmm. but cheap. I would I would go very simple but super cheap too, um, just to be sure my my stuff are used and bought by people and not do something very high end 
that will not be in like seen anywhere you know what i mean mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. kenny slater uh two years or three years ago uh built um his own uh closing company called oh yeah out mm-hmm. to know and yeah it's, yeah they have like a fantastic plan to be super green and helpful for the community in the next uh, 10 year, uh, 10 or 15 years i don't i don't mm-hmm. remember what they exactly what they published the other day but i was pretty nice to see it's really nice to see that those brands with those vision it's uh, working you know it's working mm-hmm. it's working mm-hmm. great yeah i think they produce um, a lot of their clothing from from old fish nets and stuff like yeah, that yeah because yeah fish nets are it's a it's a disaster man in, in yeah i do some uh, for some beach cleanup sometimes and uh that's the worst the biggest uh, threat we have because it, it kills animals it pollutes and it's uh i think it's a huge percentage of the pollution in the ocean so mm-hmm. so making clothes out of that is a big symbol for uh, for mm-hmm. me and it's also a way to to put value in those fish nets you know where a lot of people will not give a piss about it <laughs> mm-hmm. this time they'll be thinking that maybe they will resell that and people will make uh closing out of it yeah it's amazing man it's good, so good. good direction yeah yeah for sure uh let's chat a little bit about your youtube channel then tito as well um because you filmed you done your last america's trip uh do you want to tell us a little bit about that it was 11 months in america can you go into that a little bit for us yeah so yeah it's a very old uh idea that we had with my wife where we wanted to ship our van from france to panama actually at the very beginning wow um and then ship it back to france uh but it was really expensive and we would needed a very trusty van and everything so i think we we kind of get like tired of the idea and we were afraid of doing it and then we forgot it and then years later um, i I had a discussion with Charlotte and we were like, oh, we need to, to, to get back on track with that idea and find, find a solution. So I just put the idea of, okay, let's take our bags, our bikes, fly there, buy a camper van, do our trip, whatever we want to do for a year, wherever we want, and then sell it back and then, and then fly back home, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's going to be cheaper. And actually, uh, I was I was right, I think, because the um, the, the ferry is seven thousand bucks, and uh, for us wow. buying van and selling it with all the things and with all the problems we had, we only lost three thousand bucks on the vehicles so for a year, which is pretty reasonable, you know. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Yeah, uh, especially when you, I, I mean, we just showed up <laughs> and then going back home we were not having a, a garage or any sort of deal you know so no, we're pretty we were pretty lucky with that which is cool so this this project took us like two years to plan uh just to be sure everything was ready for the the job the work of my wife um my sponsor and planning all the trip all the place we wanted to see so we decided to stay focused on North America. So when we landed in February last year, we got this van that we bought um, a week before on the Craigslist. So wow, like a, wow, yeah, yeah. We bought this van, and the guy, the guy was super nice. He came to the airport, picked us up, and uh, we stayed in the, um, the region of LA for um, for a few weeks, and then we we started our trip with Mexico, going south. 
Um, so we crossed all the Baja Peninsula and then to the mainland. And in the mainland, I had tons of fun riding uh, on the volcanoes. Uh, and then we drove back to the U.S., to California, through Texas, actually. And then um, all the coast, all the way to, to Canada. And then when the winter came, we drove south to Moab and uh, all the desert um, states in the middle. And then came back to California at the end, which at the end makes a, made a loop of 32,000 K <laughs> wow. and uh, 11 months on the road. A lot of uh, mountain biking. I think I, I rode like 4,000 kilometers on my bike. Uh, which is it's half of what I do usually, but it's still a lot, and it was a ton, a ton of fun, lots of uh, different spots, and many, many communities of rider. So very, a very rich experience, and uh, probably our best year so far. Mm-hmm. Um, it was nice to share it with 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 my wife and have uh, all those uh, experience, you know, uh, talking about the riding, but also all the experience of traveling together, the national parks, the, the place we visit on the, on the, in the mountains or on the coast and all the people we've met. Um, that was beautiful. Um, you know, when you're with a big van like that, you have all your tools with you, you're self-sufficient, you do whatever you want. It's the time you touch a little bit the freedom and uh, mm-hmm. you can really express yourself and, and do what, uh, what you have in mind and, you kind of uh, lose the fear and lose the <laughs> the marks and just go for yourself, you know. Um, I don't know if I explained that very well, but uh, it's a pretty strong feeling that makes you shivering. Sometimes you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, we can go wherever we want and have fun. and Or we can just stay, enjoy and relax, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's... Um, it's something that anybody has to to live one day, going for a long time, very chill, not trying to to put tons of stuff on the list and just relax and enjoy and be yourself and and ride bikes or enjoy the mountains or whatever, but just taking time, you know. Yeah, yeah, just kind of go where life takes you almost. Yeah, because I don't know, I don't want to be rude with mountain biking industry, but most of the edits we see. Um, are shot in a very short period of time so it means people just fly with a crew of uh, a filmmaker they just stay like three or four days and ride their bike a lot but actually they just shoot so they go back and forth on the same segment Um, and at the end they put a very beautiful edit but my vision is like the opposite of that i want to i want to take my time and and travel and and ride a lot and film a little <laughs> and mm-hmm. maybe at the end I come with with images you know this this series we did with my wife was kind of tough because she was helping me with filming but she we only shot maybe 10% of what I wrote you know and and not the best you know so some place were just beautiful but it was too hard for her to access with with the gear and everything so and sometimes we just don't want to shoot you know we just want to enjoying ourselves and have fun you know so um, our vision is more like like that you know taking time enjoying life the edit will be nice hopefully <laughs> we and then we will work on that but it's not uh, not the goal the goal was not to make people jealous or whatever it was just to be happy and and show happiness to the camera too 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always one of those Cats 22 scenarios because when I've had people on the podcast in the past and they have they have YouTube channels and they do a lot of filming and stuff, you know, I always ask them, is it something that sometimes you think, you know, I don't want to take the camera with me today. I don't want to have <laughs> to stop, set yeah. up a camera, go back, film yeah. that section. <laughs> it's bound to ruin your ride and I'm sure... You know, and you have just explained it there. There's days you didn't want to do that. You just wanted to go yeah. and enjoy yourself. Yeah. Um, and on the, on another hand, sometimes, um, you know, I started to self-shot myself in 2011 when I had my first GoPro. And um, it was, I had to do it because, you know, when I crossed the Alps in 2012, I was the first one to do it uh, through that hiking trail so fast and I still have the the time record but I also wanted to sh- to show to the people that what I did and how I did it so I started I wanted to film it so it, mm-hmm. I have like a huge motivation to film it's just sometimes I just don't want to film but um, today I have like another a new concept that I'm developing where I I show the trail to the people that I comment and but well it's in French but um, my my community is mostly French, so mm-hmm. I explain the trail, the situation, what I'm doing, and this works great. So I don't even put music. I do once a week on Facebook, and and people really like it because they want information, they want to ride those places, and it's it's pretty cool. Um, it's a uh, it's different with the the more technical uh, edit and the more um, sophisticated edits that I can do on a trip. Um, so it's a mix of, of everything, but um, I'm due to my job, I, I have to produce mm-hmm. content, you know. So I just choose the content I want to produce, but I have to produce content, uh, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, yeah, I like to, to shoot. Um, over the year, I, I, I had the passion of uh, filming and making picture. And this year, I was supposed to produce my my very first uh, documentary about snowboarding and surfing. Actually, wow! Yeah, I was doing the snowboarding uh, part, and because of the virus, we the all the resort and all the mountains were shut down. So just uh, like three days before we were supposed to to shoot, so I was kind of like. Because January was bad for the snow, uh, February, no, February was bad for the snow, and uh, I was not ready in January, and then my wife uh, was ready to to give birth and everything, so I could not leave, so the the schedule was pretty bad, and then when the schedule was good, then the, the COVID-19 uh, crisis came, so, <laughs> mm-hmm. but um shooting people and telling like um, telling stories is definitely something very important to me and i'm i'm already working today on a on another documentary project i just don't know what's going on with the crisis it's really hard today to make any plan mm-hmm. um, especially if i film somebody i don't want to take any responsibility to to do to say i'm going to do something and not do it and give him a frustration so so I'm just um, waiting with uh, a, a few, a list of ideas and stuff that I want to shoot and, and see um, what we can do. But um, definitely have a ton of uh, documentary and, and film project in my mind. Maybe not always related to mountain biking or traveling. Maybe it will be a bit different, you know. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But being behind the camera, it's it's very interesting too. I mean, when you know the mountains and 
you have your own vision and you meet somebody that have a strong personality and do something crazy, then you you have so much to you want to show and film and and make him say and make him move. You know, I don't know what to say, but it's uh, it's very interesting. I I shot this guy is is uh, making snowboards uh, like handmade snowboards and he's a master. He does the most beautiful work I've never seen on a snowboard. It's amazing. It's just like making a um, a frame by your hand, you know, with your hand. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And um, I, I love to shoot him. And he was, he, <laughs> it's not it's not somebody you can ask like, oh, do the thing like this, do the thing like that. He is doing his thing and he's a master. And you're just here to to drive him a little bit and get all the image from that. And it's, uh, I, I love that position. I, I yeah. wish I could do more of that and show the work. Yeah, it's cool, man. It's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's very nice. And you, you obviously are very passionate about that because your art's very cool as well. And you've kind of incorporated you. that into your yeah. YouTube stuff. Um, yeah, it's very cool style, man. I really, really like it. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, you see more of my uh, my art on on Instagram and and then on my website. Um, yeah, art is definitely. I think art is my biggest passion, actually. To be honest, over mountain biking. I mean, if one day you have you ask me to choose, if I ride my bike, if I surf, or if I paint or travel, I think I would choose painting over wow. anything. Um, it's definitely a way for me to ex- escape more than, I mean, I think I travel more painting than, than on a real tra- trip, you know, because mm. everything goes in your mind and you're really able to explore yourself and, and dig into your imagination, your creativity and the creativity is the reflect of your inner soul. For me, it's, it's something very personal, you know, um, but it's also something that you have to learn to use, you know. Uh, most of the thing, like in our society, they don't push us to be very creative. They push us to be more into the mold and, and do like anybody else, like bye, 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 do, do, do. Follow all those uh, very easy rules all the time. But um, the creativity is something you work on and, and painting is is definitely limitless. You know, you can go... <laughs> you can go to anywhere on a painting. And um, so that's definitely something I will be back uh, at in the next uh, in the next years. But um, it's also a huge frustration. To be honest, um, when, I dis- when I started to travel, I-, I also knew that I had to stop uh, the painting because you cannot do both, you know. Mm, painting, mm-hmm. painting demands a lot. It demands a, a place. It demands a lot of time. And I was doing all those, uh, those, I was starting to do those exhibition. But when you start to do exhibition, then you have a schedule and it takes a year to prepare the next one. So you're on that thing and you cannot travel. You cannot do almost, you cannot do anything else, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I put, I put painting on the side, but I'm super happy to mix my paint and my art with, with the videos and my bike adventures. Um, I, I just uh, I just love to work on the diaries and share it. So I hope to do more of that. But in the same time, uh, it's it's not always easy, you know. It's uh, yeah. it's definitely not uh, <laughs> the common uh, stuff you can see on the bike in the bike industry. Most of us we see the Red Bull uh, 
stuff, you know, like the big jumps, the whips and everything and, and showing like a poetry, <laughs> something more like, uh, I don't know, soft and into the creative side is, is different. And um, it's not common. It's not easy to get uh, the same um, interest. I don't know how yeah. to explain, but... Um, you know, it would yeah, be easier yeah. for me if I was a racer and doing whips. <laughs> I would definitely have a frame sponsor today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but I, I think it's very different. Like your, yeah. I think your films, your YouTube videos definitely show that side, and even the music you use and the editing techniques and stuff you do, and even your drone footage, which is amazing. All that kind of stuff. I think that really works, man. It really yeah, does. It it's it's it different. It's nice. Well. Thank you very much. I love the result and I love to share every videos that I did. I'm really proud of those. I'm just saying that um, it doesn't go in the same direction as the, the industry. And yeah. sometimes it's hard to negotiate because to be, I don't know if I have the right answer, but I think sometimes the brands are a little, a little um, careful and a little bit worried of using me. Because they don't know how to use a guy like me that can, like, you know, do those trips and do the painting and everything. They don't know how to use that. It's it's quite abstract for them. Mm -hmm, it's more mm -hmm. it's more easy. It's easier to to use a racer with results. It goes to the EWS or the racing um, World Cup and um, and then they know exactly where the guy is and what he's doing. And with me, you have to be confident and. And, and and be sure you can use my my contents, which is not always uh, always easy. A lot of brands are not uh, investing anything on adventure, or they do it, but it's fake, you know. So it, it's tough when they talk to me, because <laughs> mm -hmm. we don't speak the same language. But um, but you know the the one of the reason I, I became a professional mountain biker is also because I always had the support for, from the followers, from the readers and um, from the fans because I know there's a lot of people that, that takes inspiration from my adventure. I receive almost every day message from people that wants details, they want information, they want to go and they want you know, they want a little bit of help and they saw my adventure and then get inspired and, and I love that and I think I will I will keep going just for them because that gives me a lot of energy too, you know, to be mm. part of them and, and helping people too for, for something that I love and see people with a smile on their face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And Tito, is this something that you can make a living out of? Like, you know, um, you don't have a nine to five job or anything like that, realistically. <laughs> you know, are you happy with the way things are financially? Can you do it okay? Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I'm doing fine. Uh, the thing is, it, it was um, it was a little bit better before, and then I had a, a, a few things happening that are recently, and then in the next uh, in the last two years that were not not for the best for me. Uh, you know, I worked for Mavic as a as an ambassador, but also as a, a community manager and a developer for products for many years, and that helped me a lot for having. A, um, a lifestyle and build all mm -hmm. my projects. Uh, since Mavic uh, had difficulties and everything, I, my contract was no longer done, you know, and so I lost that. And then, and then I had I signed with Rossignol, and they. Um, so I quit Rocky Mountain, 
And um, I was an um, international ambassador for them, but Rastian was proposing something pretty crazy to build a, a new brand and a new adventure with the name of Rossignol. But I decided to stop. So, yeah, I would say it's it's quite, um, it's a bit, uh, frust- not frustrating, mm-hmm. but um, uh, disappointing. You know, I was a little bit disappointed about all those events. But today I'm mm-hmm. doing good. I'm, I don't need a lot, <laughs> to be honest. I, I'm not somebody that, that needs a... Uh, much you know uh, the van that i have now is is the van that i had like four five years ago and i'm happy to rebuild it i mean it's not that old so i don't want to throw it in the garbage and buy a new one mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad that i recycled it so um, i don't know i think i can live with uh with not a lot but uh, to be honest i i definitely make enough and i cannot complain about it and if i want to make more i I can make more, but uh, it's more the opposite. It's more like I refuse um, to work more, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not that I'm lazy, but it's I don't want to spend too much time working, actually. My goal in life is not to earn money, but it's more to earn time and 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 to not work. And <laughs> yes. And I find, now I'm, I want to have time for my son, too. Mm-hmm. So... But I make a living out of mountain biking for me and my wife since uh, since uh, 2011, I think. Um, and she's a, a nurse for a few years now, and uh, so she worked the last the last few years, uh, which helped for the trip. And uh, now she will help me a little bit more, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, mm-hmm. But also guiding is is a, is a big part of my job and. I have a lot of opportunities to do more guided trip. A lot of people are asking me. I always say no, but um, maybe next year I will do more. We'll see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's hard sometimes to have that balance, you know. But yeah. certainly from the work, your work that I've seen and chatting to you now, I can see that the life, the lifestyle, the the lifetime thing is far more important to you than having a nice sports car yeah. sitting in the driveway yeah. you know <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, definitely and um and even you know we were talking about uh the the sponsor and everything that that comes that we can also talk about the influential and the, the social networks um i'm not too sure that i want to have more and more and more followers because um sometimes it's 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 so much work the social medias are so yeah. much work um and there's a lot of responsibility on everything you will say everything you will do and then the brands they push so much they push so much pressure on us to make uh to make more clicks and clicks and and i'm glad that i work with companies that don't really care like uh, about that you know like the boss of earth doesn't even have instagram you know he doesn't care um he's like oh you're a nice guy and you're famous in france so we help you it's fine and we love to work with you and and i love that approach where they're not counting everything and so i don't know um it's um it was a lot of uh it was a nice opportunity at the beginning to express and, and, and inspire people and then slowly became more like a trap where you're you're in that cycle when you want to do more and more content and have more followers 
and at the end you f you end up uh, copying people and so and trying to do exactly the same and trying to get attention you know like i want to do mm -hmm. like mini clips with jumps and so at the end you look like everybody you know so yeah i know what you're saying yeah i better have i better not have too much pressure and stay stay myself if i want to publish like a silly picture of uh, painting and nobody cares that's fine that that matters for me <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yeah cool man cool well listen you've got lots going on there and stuff i just want to ask you one more question before i let you go for the evening. Yeah. um where is on your bucket list to visit where where's next yeah what, what are you well, think is there anywhere you would really like to go on your mountain bike that you haven't had the opportunity to yet i think it's pakistan right wow okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah i saw so many so many reports of skiing and hiking in Pakistan, and I, I'm, I, I've seen all those shepherds that lives in those oh, lonely mountains, and their the life seems to be so tough. I would love to to meet those guys and ride those trails and feel at the end of the world and totally lost. I love that feeling to be lost, you know, but lost like lost, lost, lost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. On another hand, my my trip to Nepal was supposed to happen today. And it's uh, so it's cancelled due to the crisis. Probably postponed to April, to October or April next year. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's the next destination for sure. And I decided to do less trips actually. In 2018, I decided to to only tra travel one time a year. So last year I traveled for 11 months, but only one <laughs> one plane. <laughs> and um, I'm hoping to do the same for next year. So only maybe one or maximum two international trips for, for a year. And the rest of the time I'll be more focused on Europe and uh, locally. So, so yeah, got a few projects to explore uh, my own continent. And um, I want to build an expedition vehicle so I can go with, uh, let's say, a, a 500 um, liter of diesel and travel all the way to Nepal by car in a year or something like that, you know, like taking time mm -hmm. to live on the road and, um, and discover places with my bike and my family. Wow. So, yeah, um, it's going to be a lot of trips, but it's going to be, it's more about the journey than the destination, you know, like, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's if one big project exciting me mo the most is this uh, this uh, expedition vehicle that we wanna we wanna build, and probably the first uh, goal, the first project will be to drive to Nepal. So yeah, probably gonna cool. take us a year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Morin's gonna have his hands full. That young man will be. I think wrenching on tools and working on engines by the by the time he's five or six years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not good with mechanical. I'm better on the bike, so I hope it's going to be a good one. <laughs> yeah, you got get, yeah, you got to get his mechanic skills up then. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff, bro. Well, listen, thanks so much for coming on and chatting. I I really really enjoyed it. Um, thank you so much for inviting me yeah it's man been a, it's been it's been a while we've been talking about that right <laughs> yeah it's been awesome but sure you've been busy and uh, everything else it's hard to cut hard to get together sometimes uh but how can people best find you where would you advise they go to find out more about you and what you're doing and stuff 
Um, so uh, there's uh, on Instagram. I think my Instagram is one of the the most uh, fun and the most interesting to follow because I like to publish stories of my my different project, the lifestyle, the painting, uh, the coveration of the van, and everything. But um, there's also my website, titotomasi.fr, like French. Um, the website is not updated every day, but um, you can see the, the galleries of painting, the galleries of drawings, and all the old videos too, which is almost better than uh, than YouTube channel because on a YouTube channel, you don't have the old one. I have to update that, but uh, for the moment, it's not. So yeah, the website, titotomasi.fr, and uh, the Instagram, titotomasi probably the best way to entertain yourself and get some uh, inspiration for your trips <laughs> excellent mate excellent well thanks so much again and listen I hope uh, the whole COVID thing disappears quite soon and you can get back on the bike and get in your projects rolling and everything else And yeah get, it's just uh, a period of time I, I just hope everybody's safe and uh, not too crazy about the lockdown <laughs> it's <laughs> not always easy eh? but uh, it's a serious one in and yeah, people are dying. So really, really hope people are safe and, and taking care of their their own their loved one. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much, bro. I hope to run into you on the trails at some stage, and um, yeah. we can have a coffee together. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Cheers. That's a wrap for episode 138, folks. I hope you enjoyed that. And Tito, thanks so much for coming on the show. It really was awesome to speak to you. I really enjoyed our chat and hopefully we can bump into each other in the near future. I know you've chatted about coming over to Ireland and stuff like that. So certainly we will see each other there for sure. And uh, we can go around Ireland and see what you think of the trails there. And I'm sure you will not be disappointed. So good luck for 2020, bro. I hope everything goes well. Good luck with the new son. And um, I hope you get him cracking on the bike pretty soon. He's a little young yet, but you know. So thanks again and good luck for the rest of the year. Now folks, if you want to know more about Tito's adventures, what he's up to, you could just simply go to the show notes, mtb-tribe.com, look up Tito's episode 138 and you'll get all the links to Tito's stuff, his YouTube stuff, uh, his social links, all that and a little bit more about what we chat about on the show. Now, if you like the show and you want to support the show, the best way is simply by subscribing, rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Every one of your ratings helps boost us on Apple's algorithms and helps spread the good word about the show to more people, getting people off the sofa and hopefully on the saddle. Now, if you're not on Apple, you can find and subscribe via mostly every podcast platform that's out there, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, all the other ones we are on, most of them, you can subscribe and rate there and that would be very much appreciated. You can also visit our website, mtb-tribe.com, where you can find the complete back catalogue, listen and download every show from there. It's completely free um, and you will get links and everything else to everybody that's on the show via the show notes there. You can also subscribe there, get one email per week with a quick and easy link to listen to the show. We're also on socials at MTB Tribe on Instagram and Facebook. So please get involved, have your say, contact me via there, DM me there. That's all cool. And please spread the word of the show. It grows organically and uh, it takes the likes of you guys, the listeners. It takes your support to help grow the show and get more people listening to the podcast. Hopefully helping them out, keeping them stoked about mountain biking and getting them out on the two wheels. Maybe not so much at this time, but uh, after the pandemic's over... We will get people out, the trails will be full, and uh, we'll have a great time there. 
I'll speak to you next week for another MTB Tribe podcast. But until then, stay safe, and as always, stay MTB stoked.